When it rains in Chicago or Cleveland, chemicals fall with the raindrops. That makes sense, says Marta Veneer, an Indiana University environmental chemist. But in general, for most of the chemicals, um, chemicals are uh, where people uh, live. But when it rains in Eagle Harbor, a remote village at the northernmost tip of the Upper Peninsula, the water isn't pure either. So you can actually say it's raining PFAS uh, at this point. Veneer's team found notable concentrations of PFAS, not only in rainwater at sampling sites in industrial cities like Chicago or Cleveland, but in Eagle Harbor as well. In fact, chemical particles moving through the sky are more important than moving through water on the ground, she told a group at the Institute for Journalism and Natural Resources. Atmospheric transport is the most important pathway of chemicals um, getting into the lake. Eagle Harbor is nowhere close to major manufacturing plants where most atmospheric PFAS originates. But distance often isn't an obstacle for the compounds. They're absolutely, they can travel long distances. They've been measured in polar bears and in the Arctic, uh, in regions where they shouldn't be there. Once PFAS compounds make it to far-flung places, they're likely to stay there, in the waters, the wildlife, and perhaps the people. It takes thousands of years for the chemicals to break down. We are going to be dealing with PFAS for a very long time. Uh, which is good for chemists, it will keep us busy, but it's not necessarily good for the environment because these chemicals are very persistent. In some places, airborne PFAS can reach levels that pose serious health concerns. Mike Abrazinskis, the director of the North Carolina Division of Air Quality, knows that well. I talked to him at a pre-COVID conference in Madison last year. That's one of the reasons why I'm here today and sharing our story that, um, you know, what you might think is solely a water issue may not be solely a water issue. By collecting rainwater, Abrazinskis' department found PFAS spikes in the air near a chemical plant operated by Comores, a DuPont spinoff. That discovery led to a $12 million fine for Comores. The company also agreed to provide house filtration, reverse osmosis, or other water purification for consumers in the area. That survey was a precursor to the Great Lakes study. We're not aware that anyone else in the United States uh, did what we did uh, in terms of PFAS uh, compounds. Uh, I think we were the first to do that in the U.S. We know that Comores plant in North Carolina was one of hundreds of PFAS-emitting facilities in the country. But the actual number could be far higher. In July, the nonprofit Environmental Working Group identified 30,000 industrial and municipal sites across the country that are suspected of using, producing, or emitting PFAS. Further analysis of government data has swollen the total number to nearly 42,000, says David Andrews, a senior scientist at the organization. I think this is in some ways a reflection of our of our expanding knowledge of just how widespread the use of these chemicals are throughout society, throughout industry, and, and really just the vast number of potential sources of contamination. A link to an interactive map of the suspected sites, including some in our area, is available at WXPR.org. 
Andrews says governments have been too slow to regulate PFAS use. Indeed, neither the United States nor the state of Wisconsin has enforceable PFAS standards on the books, although the regulatory process is grinding slowly toward their creation. Public health protection always seems to be decades behind the science, and, and this is a place where the, the, the public health concerns, that the, the academic research showing how toxic these chemicals are really uh, makes it apparent the need to, to act now. Taking action to limit PFAS in the environment could make the rain a little less toxic in places like Chicago or Cleveland. Perhaps it could reduce the chemicals still coming down in far-flung places like Eagle Harbor, Michigan, too. What we do know is that these are contaminants that shouldn't be in our environment. They shouldn't be in our body. The, 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 the important first step is just kind of to, to end this unnecessary use, un, unnecessary release to the environment. For WXPR's The Stream, I'm Ben Meyer.